1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot. Scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth.
2: Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. I hope everyone is uh, doing well. Uh, gosh, it's been months we've been going through this COVID uh, nightmare. But, uh, you know, one of the wonderful things is that we have the technology that we're using today to talk to uh, interesting people around the world. I, I don't think we've ever uh, spoken to a guest from Norway, and I know we've never delved into... Ultrasound which is a major omission and uh, one that I'm looking forward to rectifying and we're we're doing it with Wilfrid Boy who is the CTO of, of Forkbeard. Uh, Wilfred, welcome to the show. Thank you Steve. Um, so you were part of uh, another company that uh, was dealing with ultrasound before Forkbeard. H- how old is Forkbeard and what's the relationship between uh, Forkbeard and this other company?
3: Yeah, so Forkbit is actually quite a, a new company. We started it, uh, I think, in January two thousand nineteen. Uh, so it's just over one year and eight months old. Uh, but the sort of like the we started actually with fifteen people, uh, and those came out of a, another company that was doing ultrasound-based uh, indoor positioning. The company is called Sonator, uh, and we actually we're still sharing offices with them, but it's two separate companies now. And Sonator basically has been developing indoor positioning solutions for use, primarily in healthcare. Uh, so it's, it's basically an ultrasonic so technology where you have transmitters in the infrastructure and it's, it's tag based. So basically we have tags that, that receive ultrasound and, and that can then be used to do positioning of uh, people and equipment. And the, the key strength is this um, high resolution uh, zonal capability. So the fact that you can actually tell whether a patient is in a bed and whether equipment can be associated with
2: the patient and so on. And um, this is Sonitor that you're talking about? Yeah, here. this is Sonitor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have the tags, receivers, the receivers, the the kind of the infrastructure is broadcasting ultrasound. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And, um, and, and one of the things that we always dreamt about in that company is uh, to do to do proper 3D positioning. Uh, So rather than a zonal-based system, which is what Sonator has uh, today and which is very suitable for for in the healthcare business, the aim was to have a system that basically, you know, where you can do software zoning. So so fundamentally accurate 3D positioning and then in software you can define your zones and set up your rules and so on, uh, whereby you can actually decouple. The big thing there is that that allows you to decouple your infrastructure from uh, your use case. Which, of course, if you want to scale something, is is really important. Uh, the fact that you can basically set up an infrastructure and say it's like Wi-Fi. Now you have commun- communication. Now you have positioning throughout your building, and then you can basically use it forever. You would like uh, to use it for. So it needs to be accurate, low latency, um, and persuasive in the in the in the whole um, uh, whole building. Um, so. Um, so, so that's basically what we set out to do uh, in, in Forkbeard. Uh, and one of the main other realizations was that let's, let's do it using smartphones. So let's not go the, the tech route, but instead uh, use, a, uh, use a smartphone uh, and, and basically app enable the, uh, the positioning.
2: Okay, so one of the differences is Forkbeard has the smartphone component um, and in this case, the devices that you, you, you... So do you just sell one kind of device, a transmitter? Or? Yeah, at the
3: moment we've, we've got one, uh, one device, which we call the ultra beacon for ultrasound beacon.
2: Uh, yes.
3: And it's, it's, uh, it's really a combined um, Bluetooth beacon and uh, ultrasound beacon.
2: So how, how large are these devices?
3: They're actually uh, quite small. They're about the size of an Apple TV box.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, and the size is really dictated by the, the, uh, the four AA batteries that we use to power it. Okay. Um, and it's quite interesting because we, we basically based on the experience we have at Sonitor, we had sort of like a target for battery life. And, and we basically said it needs to be more than at least three years, but preferably five, seven, five to seven years. So it's sort of like a, you know, set and forget. And, yep. uh, and with the help of uh, new releases from uh, you know from uh, chip manufacturers, we were able to uh, to achieve ten years of battery life on, on four for uh, AAs, and that's standard. That's not just sort of like a particular configuration. That's any configuration. So huh. uh, so that was a really major achievement. Yeah,
2: ten years is is good running off batteries, so people don't need to worry about wiring and uh, and so forth. So. You know, and um, typically, how many of these do you need to achieve a, a given level of uh, location fidelity?
3: Yeah, since it since it's a solution that basically wants to achieve 3D, um, the minimum quantity that you have to be within reach of is is three at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: um, so that sets a sort of like a minimum density of devices that depends a lot on how you know how fragmented the uh, the environment is um, but we basically as a sort of like a, a rule of thumb we're saying around uh, one for every 30 square meters okay the design guideline
2: that seems pretty good
3: uh, yeah yeah it's, it's pretty good yeah
2: and, and, um, and if I have one per 30 square meters then what kind of location accuracy am I getting
3: it's about, about a feet of, uh, of accuracy in, in, uh, in the two X, Y dimensions. And then it's a little worse in the Z dimension. It's about probably two feet in the Z dimension.
2: Okay. Yeah. And I, I guess, uh, when does that matter? I mean, if you're tracking a phone, wouldn't seem like that matters too much, the, the, the no. Z dimension.
3: No, no. Right. No, I mean, it's sort of like, if you, if you get into you know, atriums and that sort of stuff, it's interesting to have a good Z dimension and then two feet is, uh, is more than ad- adequate. Fantastic. So yeah.
2: positioning this against other technologies, just bare Bluetooth, you're much better. Uh, you're yeah. probably slightly better than angle of arrival. I mean, Maybe the angle of arrival uh, for, for Bluetooth guys would, uh, w- w- would argue with that. But it seems like you're a bit better and you're not quite as good as ultra wideband. Is that a fair characterization of where you sit in the pantheon? Yeah, and, I think so. Location yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, and then of course we have the advantage that it's a fully battery-powered infrastructure. So if you look at the cost of installation, then it's quite dramatically uh, different. Uh, and in in itself, it's a very cheap device. You know, it's not like a, an expensive unit to to manufacture at all. It's essentially a Bluetooth beacon with with ultrasound capabilities bolted on.
2: So uh, for budgetary purposes, uh, what what should people budget for if the, if they if they want to buy a a hundred of these uh, units. What should they budget for as a per unit price? So, so we typically we try to price by a square meter. Oh, okay.
3: So, so we're sort of like targeting a sort of like a couple of dollars per square meter as our as our as our pricing uh, for installation, which is really quite quite good. Uh, because you know, if you look at a supermarket, an average size supermarket is about a thousand square meters. So, so in principle, you should be able to to equip that with our solution for a couple of thousand dollars. A
2: couple of thousand dollars for roughly how many units? That's Uh, that's about
3: probably about uh, so that would be a thousand square meters. If you divide it by thirty, that would be thirty
2: to forty units. Okay, okay, that is pretty low cost. Um, And you know, you know, the bane of Bluetooth. Uh, existence is uh, metal and uh, that sort of thing uh, presumably this is you're less concerned about that although yeah how much I mean we think about line of sight what, what, what role does line of sound have for your uh, yeah
3: product? it's that's a very good question and it's one of the reasons why we actually went for ultrasound in the first place um, because of course if you look at a pressure wave interacting with the environment it's actually extremely predictable compared to an RF uh, wave, So if you have an RF wave, especially at 2.4 gigahertz, if it impacts on a particular piece of material, you've got all sorts of mechanisms going on. You've got basically backscattering, you've got absorption, you've got uh, backscattering a couple of uh, 10 centimeters back. So, so the, one of the, I think one of the fundamental problems with RF is that it's very difficult to, to, to basically get an idea of what your line of sight is. Because yeah. you, even if you could do path decomposition, it would be extremely difficult to say, well, this is the line of sight. Uh, and that's can you, one of can the biggest. You
2: just briefly used the term back scattering. Not everyone will be familiar with that. Right. Yeah. That so, wave? a
3: wave basically impacting on a, on a service, you, you can basically have a couple of fundamental interactions. Scattering is just, is just that the, you lose the phase information uh, and, and the, the wave is coming back at you with a, an unknown phase in a way. Right. Um, and, and one of the, the really nice things with ultrasound is that you have none of that. Uh, so when a, basically a wave hits an ultrasonic wave, a pressure wave hits a surface, it's most of the time perfect reflection. Uh, and what happens at perfect reflection is that all the information is uh, is basically
2: uh, uh, intact. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have another path, do you? If you're if yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, so, but what we find out, and, and we, we've, we've done a lot of patenting on this. And if people are interested, they should, should look it up. But it's uh, yeah. it's a method of, uh, of of basically path decomposition, uh, where you can basically, uh, you know, when I I have a transmitter in a typical building, and it's and it's basically sending a signal out, and I'm I'm within a couple of meters, we we typically find six seven paths. We can decompose all the paths uh-huh
2: uh, and and use in fact all
3: the paths in the positioning
2: oh ah. so so actually these multiple paths through this path decomposition they help rather than hinder yeah yeah
3: ah. yeah so uh, so future versions we could probably you know you could be looking at doing pos- uh, positioning only using a single uh single transmitter in the room okay by using the path decomposition
2: so it sounds like the primary use case that you're serving here with Forkbeard is uh, IPS, indoor positioning systems, although presumably this works outdoors as well.
3: Yeah, no, it is it is firmly focused on indoor positioning. So, so the, whole, um, the whole mission of the company is to, to basically take the GPS revolution indoors. So we don't want to take GPS indoors, but we want to, to basically enable the world to have to to fill in the blanks in a way indoors Um, and of course it needs to be better than gps in in many ways indoors because your your dimensions are shrunk and you're interested in in more uh, resolution than you might be outdoors Um, Uh, so that's the aim of the company
2: very good Uh, and this presumably then relies on you having an app. I mean, what's the point of doing it if you don't have an app? So you have a a, a forkbeard aware app that has some APIs that are presumably listening to the microphone. Um, how do you deal with um, getting the apps in the... Because pres- presumably to do this, the app needs to be in the foreground. You can't have... Uh, or can you can you have an app that's listening to sound in the background or do they have to be we've there?
3: got some good news there the app is on the app store and on play store so people can download it they, the challenge now is to find a, a site a, a, a venue that supports it you have to travel to norway to <laughs> to find that <laughs> good, 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 good to come to norway okay <laughs> yeah, yeah so we've got to install a couple of supermarkets and offices um uh-huh. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the really interesting thing is that this also works in the background, and you can actually have the phone in your pocket and get the same quality of uh, of, uh, of positioning as you would have when you have the app in the background.
2: Amazing! Um, <clears> but uh, uh, so, what happens if I've like rebooted my phone? It can still uh, it can still work in the background no no i mean
3: it does run as a normal app uh but we we basically um because we don't um because basically sound is enabled is is enabled in the background because we of VoIP applications uh okay. it allows you to basically uh use, uh use sound in the background in both ios and, and android
2: and are there permissions that i have to opt into to uh, allow yeah. this to happen yeah so yeah, a, uh, you're, a, not, you're not running afoul of the privacy thing. Someone has to say, yes, it's uh, exactly. okay for this to do. So I thought I saw something about Bluetooth in what you did as well. Do you combine Bluetooth in any way or was I just misreading it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the, um, the, the concept is... Um, so, so one of, the, one of the, the, the great things about ultrasound is that you can do very reliable uh, path decomposition and you can do a very reliable distance measuring. Um, But the bandwidth of it isn't great. So you have very limited bandwidth on the phone is really limited. I mean, basically our signal spectrum is, you know, it has to be all above 20 kilohertz. And then the the microphones start to drop around uh, 22 kilohertz. So you effectively only have a kilohertz or so to play with. So the amount of information you can send from a single beacon is is very limited. Uh, So so what we do is we actually use a combination of Bluetooth and and, and ultrasound to, to to give enough uniqueness to a, to a beacon. Um, so, and in addition the, um, the, 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 uh, you also can basically use some, some of the, the lightning and thunder principles. So the fact that uh, you know an RF wave is traveling much faster than, than a pressure wave. So that allows you to do um, uh, distance measurements.
2: Okay, so in this case, the Bluetooth is the lightning and we see the lightning before we hear the thunder. And then, obviously, your ultrasound is the thunder, although we don't yeah. hear it. Can yeah. dogs? Can dogs hear what you're uh, transmitting?
3: Yeah, it's um, even 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 uh, some some uh, uh, kids at, at a very low age are, are actually capable of hearing above 20 kilohertz. But it, it, I think it drops off within the first 18 months or so. Uh, but uh, given our experience in the field, what we did is that uh, not only is it sort of like. Uh, encoded in a very special way. So it doesn't create uh, lots of harmonics, but it's also really low level. So most of the time you can't actually, it's actually in the noise floor. It's a little bit like the ultra wide band in that the
2: signal level uh, is extremely low. Okay, uh, so, bo- clear, so dogs won't stop barking, no, babies won't no. start crying, there's no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no.
3: So, the, uh, so you're looking at SPL levels of 60 dB or, or less. So, um, and, and 60 dB, you know, that's, um, I think if you, you're driving a car, you're, you're already up in the sort of 70, 70, 80 dBs, uh, 60 okay. dB is, yeah, is sort of like
2: office level. Fascinating. So yeah. what about um, kind of the time dimension to this? Uh, am, I, um, am I getting, uh, can you kind of quantify the... Yeah. Uh, the accuracy over time if i'm like sprinting through the shopping now mal will you uh h- how many times will you see me versus if an no, old yeah. person is um is making their way slowly yeah that's it it's a very good question um and
3: and the um the, the good news is there that we typically have between five and ten updates per second huh? um and the other nice thing is that there is uh, something called the doppler effect that most people might be familiar with you know when you're passing a the siren you you get this this shift in frequency yes Uh, and what that allows you to do is uh, it allows you to measure velocity at the same time not only do we have distance but we also have velocity of uh, of, uh, of the phone
0: hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Apple Pay or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripecom tap iPhone. And we not only do we have
3: the velocity, along the path when you have the velocity on all the paths.
2: So this is fascinating. So maybe if I have some kind of point of sale promotion, uh, you can see people not only passing it, but people slowing down to look at it. You can get the impact of engagement because, okay, I put the sign by the front door. Yeah, everyone's gonna walk past the sign. Does that mean the sign is super successful or does it just mean that people wanna get through the front door? But if you can say, "Oh, uh, you know, we uh, had some kind," it's a sort of a, almost like dwell time, only uh, uh, kind of something a little more subtle that you could potentially deliver. Is that what yeah. I might? Yes. Uh,
3: yeah. So you can basically have the, uh, a sense of direction instantaneously, which is also really interesting in, in positioning, of course. Uh, so, so you can basically have a, you know, a pass through a, a door and you can basically tell what the direction of the pass through is without having to have multiple position events, Okay. Uh, which is also really interesting. Plus, of course, if you're into sort of a Kalman filtering, which we are, uh, then having the state and the derivative of the state, so having the position and the velocity really helps in getting, in getting higher accuracy.
2: So you said something about filtering, and I, I missed.
3: Yeah, Kalman the... filtering. So this idea that you have a state estimate uh, where you have multiple observations that are related in some uh, way that you can easily uh, model, uh, and and of course here it's very clear you have a basically a, a range, and you have the derivative of the range. So, okay. so having both velocity and and distance to, an ob- to between the um, the smartphone and the uh, the transmitter allows you to improve the accuracy dramatically.
2: So how can I consume all this information? It seems like there's potentially a lot there. How do, how do I get it? What sort of apps are you supporting yeah. and enabling? So the, the principle
3: is that we're not an app company. We're basically delivering the tools for others to build apps. Uh, so what we have is an SDK, we have multiple SDKs. Um, and those SDKs basically do all the heavy lifting. So what you actually get is, a, is a, an API which is very similar to GPS. So you have a start stop and you have a, a position uh, push. So you can basically uh, subscribe to a position update uh, in the app and then basically every time we get a decent update and you can also define some parameters You say, you know, I wanted a high resolution uh, update or you know, very low resolution update. So, so it's very much like, basically what we did is we looked at the APIs that were available within the operating systems and said, this is what developers know, this is what we want to deliver to, to the developers. So our experience is that, you know, people can basically get an app going within a day or so based on the, the SDK.
2: Brilliant. And um, how, how's that going in terms of app integration? Do you have demo apps? Are there other apps, partner apps that you've integrated yeah. with?
3: Yeah. So like I said, the, the, we have a 4-bit Lyra app on the uh, on App Store uh, and Android, Play Store. Um, and that basically just shows, you know, it's a demo app. It just shows the capability of the, of the solution. Um, and then there are a couple of uh, customers which, unfortunately, I can't disclose at the moment because they're still sort of like in, in development phase. Uh, but some of them are, you know, office type type environments, and uh, we have two supermarkets that, that have the installation in, in Norway. Um, and there, the, the the use cases are very advanced uh, in in that it's basically product. So it has a complete product database, and it has multi-pointer uh, navigation to do your uh, shopping in the supermarket. So you can basically. You can, you can compose your favorite shopping list and then it will actually uh, show you the route in the supermarket. Uh, you can download a new recipe. And, the re- and, and, and one of the big problems, of course, people have with new recipes is that there are new ingredients that they never find. Uh, so this is the idea behind the app is that it basically it's a very good way of getting people to, to, um, to be a little bit more adventurous in cooking.
2: Um, okay. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, and where do you... So it sounds like you basically give a GPS coordinate. So you're partnering with all of the mapping. You work with third party partners that can give you a map. And, uh,
3: yeah, it can, it can actually live uh, directly on top of, uh, of the Apple and Google Maps um, uh, solutions. So, so basically what we also offer is an additional API an SDK that allows you to um, to live on top of uh, Google and Apple Map uh, with an additional layer, um, and then there is uh, there is example code that allows you to then basically easily draw paths and that sort of stuff. So we also actually have routing a routing SDK.
2: I was going to ask you about that. So you can give people the fastest way to get to the cinnamon uh, from yeah. the uh, from the fruit uh, part yeah. of the supermarket.
3: Yeah. And it's actually configuration-free routing. So you don't actually have to draw any paths in advance. Uh, so he actually uses the, the map of the store to automatically do the routing without having to specify paths
2: before. All right. Um, uh, the question I've got to ask uh, is, is about the name. Uh, can you... Uh, uh, you're probably sick of telling this story but uh, <laughs> no, <quite> no. <laughs> you've got a very nice logo i really like the, the logo it sort of uh, resonates from bluetooth in that you've got letters in this kind of uh, round thing that looks like a, a map uh a, a pin uh, but yeah. where does it come from
3: so the name is, is, uh, is interesting. We basically, um, of course we were we starting the company. We said, well, you know, this there's Bluetooth and people associate Bluetooth with, uh, with positioning these days. Although really it's a communication technology. So, uh, so we decided to, to go back in history and say, and Bluetooth, of course, in, in, in Scandinavia is very well known. Vlotan mm-hmm. is, is a Viking King, uh, mm-hmm. one of the best known ones. Um, and what was,
2: what was exceptional about, if we're going to get, do the whole thing, then uh, what was exceptional about Bluetooth as a king that he got given this uh, association with a communication He was technology. a smooth talker. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> he was very good at communication. <laughs> right. And now, now the best part of the story is, and, we, and so I, we, we started to think about, okay, historically, who, who was the person that really trumped, uh, trumped uh, Bluetooth? And it turned out that, to be his son. Oh. The name of his son is Forkbeard. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and and fortunately enough, he was a good navigator. He was the guy that basically uh, invaded England, unfortunately. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, okay. we did we some, some atrocious things there, so I don't, I don't <laughs> want to talk more about that. <laughs> I don't think you could have named the company if it was possible uh, 50 years after his birth. I don't think it would have gone down that well.
1: <laughs> but uh, with time,
3: you know, things fade, and, and uh, it's, a, it's an acceptable name now.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, appropriate given that you have some Bluetooth lineage uh, in your uh, uh, in your in the makeup of your solution as well. Very good. Yeah. Well, this has been fascinating. Any anything else that I've that I should have asked you about? That uh,
3: I think you did a tremendous job, uh, Stephen, in, uh, in asking the right questions.
2: Well, we'll uh, we'll end up on a high note then. Um, so, Wilfred Boy. CTO of Beard, Thanks very much for being on the on the Mr. Beacon show.
3: Thank you, Steve, for giving me the opportunity.
2: How should I pronounce your last name, Wilfred? It's very simple. It's
3: actually boy. Like boy. In boy, yeah. So, like, so, so it's Frisian, which is very close to English. Uh, okay. So it actually means boy
2: in okay. English. Yeah, Amazing. Uh, I was uh, I'm so glad I asked you. Normally, I have a go and massacre people's last names. So that would have, that would have uh, been pronouncing the J. So,
3: so the, the, in Dutch, they didn't have the uh, the Y on the keyboard. So it became I-J.
2: Oh, so that's your ancestry? Yeah, is, is, is,
3: uh, Frisian. It says northern, northern parts of the Netherlands.
2: Oh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So how did your family end up in... Um, oh, I moved to I.
3: So I studied in uh, in um, in first in the Netherlands. Took a master's in the Netherlands, but then I moved to Cambridge, and my uh, there, that's uh, where I met my wife, who's
2: Norwegian. I saw that you did your PhD there, didn't you? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what was that myself. like? Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. I was uh,
2: hunting on the cam,
3: all that sort of stuff. Hunting on the cam and uh, really international environment. Uh, I was a fellow of gonflin Keys College. So I actually got a fellowship there and uh, dined with uh, Stephen Hawking, lived next door
2: to Stephen Hawking, in fact. Uh, so, yeah, lots of uh, lots of really interesting experiences. I, I went to a polytechnic to do my computer science degree. And uh, basically, as a result of a misspent youth, uh, at the time, it wasn't a good place to study. But by accident, it turned out to be a great course. Uh, I, uh, it was just every, you know, all the fundamentals. But that was yeah. p- really by accident. At the time, I had a girlfriend um, whose father was doing... Uh, I can't remember what he was. Uh, the the, the I think it may have been a PhD uh, at Cambridge, and I remember going there and having to wear a tuxedo to have dinner and yeah, uh, high table, table service in these <laughs> yeah. incredible. <laughs> malls. Yeah, it was amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as a fellow, you basically have free dining every evening. And it's, you know, it's, uh, they serve the best wines and the food is phenomenal. And then you see the poor the, uh, students sitting, you know, just two meters away and they get served, well, not the same quality of food.
2: <laughs> and of course, I uh, I was used to sitting there. So it's, uh, it was a very weird uh, experience. And was it different? I guess your experience was different. You were slightly older than the uh, undergrad. Yeah, so I
3: started as a graduate, uh, grad student um, so I, I did a three year PhD and at the end of the PhD, I got this research fellowship. So I stayed on for another two years. So,
2: uh, yeah, did, you ever, uh, did you ever sort of wish that you were the uh, uh, 18, 19 year old having that experience? Or was it better? No, be no. Actually <laughs> the Dutch you you yeah. know what a good wine was. Yeah. Like? <laughs> yeah,
3: I think it's very difficult to beat Dutch student life. So yeah. that's uh it's fantastic because you have an enormous amount of freedom. Uh and at the same time you have this, you know, rich tradition of quirky student behavior in Holland. So uh so there's a lot more freedom than you would ever had on uh sort of like on a on a, in a UK university. So um so I actually took six years to take my master's and that was time well spent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Well, um, as you probably, well, you may or may not know, I don't know if you've ever watched any of the past episodes, but we have this uh, tradition of asking people about their music tastes. Uh, ah. um, so, uh, um, uh, and basically the construct is what three songs would you take on a trip to Mars? Sounds like this is... Uh, is new to you, so I'll give you a little yeah. time to, <laughs> to think about it. But his um, first question, I guess, is: Is music important to you? Is music part of your life when you were a student, or as you? Uh, yeah, you absolutely. Now? Yeah,
3: yeah. Although I, a lot less now than it used to be, but uh, yeah, I mean, sort of, I guess, I have quite a quite a settled music taste now, which I'm sort of like infecting my kids with. <laughs> really? How would you characterize it? <laughs> Oh, it's probably quite, it's, uh, it's, fa- it's, it's fairly mainstream, I would say. It's, it's, you know, it's the usual stuff from um, having been born in the 70s. So it's, uh, you know, Hotel California, Steely Dan, <laughs> huh? yeah. later added of Katie Malua, And that's yeah, sort of like, uh, yeah, quite straightforward, uh, nice, easy listening. A yeah. Bit yeah. Bit more jazz. Jazz is, uh, is also quite,
2: of yeah, quite interesting. So, Very similar to my own. So uh, if you had to pick three songs, what... Uh, now, yeah, I was just tech. saying Spontaneous. Uh, you not much time. I guess the, the
3: night flight. Uh, is that the main song? Hotel California? I would say it's probably uh, somewhere yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, the third song is actually would be cool,
2: more difficult. I guess it uh, could be um, "Killing Me Softly." Okay. Great yeah. songs. Great songs. Wonderful. Thanks very much.